righty, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Nancy. Question, how many of you know that you know that you know? I mean, listen, you know that you know that you know. Listen, if you died, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. How many of you absolutely know it? Absolutely. No question asked. This is very important, beloved. Thank you. Maybe all of you couldn't raise your hand, but I'll tell you what. I wish I didn't have to tell you this. You're going to die one day. Do you know that? What's going to happen then? After death, what takes place? Do you just close your eyes and that's it? Where do you go? Tell you what, I want to share a message today that I think God's got on my heart. Heaven is for real. You believe heaven's for real? I believe it's for real. But listen to me. I hold in my hand. Y'all look up here. Everybody look up here. I hold in my hand a copy of the Monticello newspaper this week. I don't know if you get a copy of the Monticello newspaper but I get a copy every week and I look through it. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed in the obituary column, there are more and more names every week. Have you noticed that? I can't hear you. Have you noticed that? In fact, this week, here's a 13-year-old, 13-year-old that died, a 13-year-old. There's a 59-year-old that died this week in Monticello now. I'm not talking about Atlanta. There's a 82-year-old lady who I happen to know and love and preached her mom's funeral and two of her brother's homegoing services. She passed away this week. There's an 82-year, uh, that 82-year-old lady. And then there's a 100-year-old lady. So I'm talking about all different ages people die. Do you believe that? What's going to happen to you after you die? Are you ready to meet God? I knew a man very well who was a dear friend And he was a very successful businessman. He had a nice home. He had a lot, he had a lot of land. And he had built a number of homes as well as other construction work. He would be what we'd call successful in life. He had a good bank account. Things were good. He was a Christian. And I'll never forget it, this dear friend of mine, things went south. Uncontrollable circumstances for him. And the next thing you know, the bank had to foreclose on his house. All the land that he had, his beautiful house, 
even his truck, had to be repossessed. This is a true story. With what little bit of meager resources he could muster up, he purchased a dilapidated, run-down resident mobile home, you could call it. I'm not knocking, I'm just saying. I was with him when he took his last breath and he died. I preached his funeral, his ongoing service. He took nothing with him, zero, except for his relationship with God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, it, I think it does us good to step back and look at the big picture of where we're at, where we're going. Do you know why you're here? I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about here on earth. Why are you here? What is your purpose? Where are you going? Do you know the answer to those questions? I hope you do. I talked with a young man this week who told me he didn't believe the Bible. He didn't believe in Jesus, really. He knows there's a man named Jesus, but he didn't really believe him. And he ran on a rampage for probably 15 minutes about why he wasn't a Christian, although he had read the Bible, and he'd been in church, this church, for a while. I asked him one question when he finished his 15-minute rant and rage. I asked him this question. I said, how many people have you been with that have died? Have you ever seen somebody die? He couldn't answer it. He had never been with somebody who had died. Heaven is for real. I want to ask you a question. How many people do you know, that I know, that aren't ready to die? Right now, right this minute in our community, right now in your family, right now in this church. You say, Pastor, you're trying to... No, no, I'm just telling you, you know. <laughs> you know heaven is for real. This message has been birthed off of a conversation I had with a person in our study on Revelation. You know what people are doing today? They're flocking to health care and doctors and wherever they can get a vaccine for the COVID-19. That's the big news. Why? So that you won't die? Can I say it again? That, so that you won't die. People are flocking to the vaccine. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I've got a vaccine that I can give you that you will Never die eternally, which is really, to me, more important than dying physically. Have you taken this vaccine called the blood of Jesus Christ? You see, what does a man profit if he gained the whole world, lose his own soul? Is it more important to stay alive physically, or is it more important to take a vaccine that you don't die eternally? I would say the latter. 
What's, where are you going after you die? You need to think about this. I love you. I wouldn't share this if I didn't love you. By the way, maybe those of you that are here that aren't sure, if something was to happen to you, it'd be an honor to be at your homegrown service, but please, can I say this in love? Don't put your pastor or any of your loved ones in the predicament of wondering where you're at after you die. I've been in that situation where you just didn't know. It's a terrible thing after you die to go out in eternity without God. And so I want to share with you, heaven is for real. I believe it's for real. And there are two life's most important questions that you probably want the answer to, and I do as well, that we're going to talk about today. Number one is what's going to happen to you after you die? Where are you going to go after you die? Do you know where you're going after you die? And what kind of body will we have after death? Now you say, oh, but, you know, I'm not thinking about anything like that. You need to. You need to get your house in order. Because <laughs> you're not really ready to live until you're first ready to die. Can I get an amen? See, having peace with God is the greatest step that you'll take. Now, some of you may be saying, you know, I think I did something like this when I was a child, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't either. Heaven is for real. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're looking now on the subject of heaven is for real. And I'm picking up on the theme of Revelation 21, 4, there should be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither should there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now, what is it going to be like when you die? Is it just going to end? Do you ever think about that? There's a lot of people watching right now, by the way of live stream, that hadn't really ever taken that step of faith and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. There's people that are here right now this morning that if you died, you're not sure where you would go. You, you say, well, I hadn't been a bad person or I hadn't done too many bad things. It's not for works. It's by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. And, and so, and there's others of us who know Jesus in our personal living way, but yet to stand before a holy God and have lived a life of self-centeredness and, and it's all about me and it's all about what I want to do. We'll have to give an account. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Have you got your house in order? Let's talk now on the book of first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I want to pick up in this wonderful epistle that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and it's the second epistle after, of course, first epistle. Now, in chapter 4, the theme he's talking about, our outer man's perishing, but our inner man's being renewed day by day. How many know the body's wearing out? No doubt about it. But he said this, and I'm going to lead us up into our text today. He said, we look not at the things which are seen, which are temporal, but the things which are unseen, which are eternal. Can I ask you a question? Y'all look up here just a minute. Can I ask you a question? Do you think right now people are rushing headlong trying to make money, trying to get rich quick schemes? If I could hit the lotto, if I could do this, if I could be popular like Tom Brady and be the GOAT. I mean, life is more. There's more to life and what we're caught up in this rat race of trying to, to, uh, 
get ahead and, 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 and even the best of Christians, we can develop this mindset and forget the spiritual purpose for us being here on earth. And when all is said and done, uh, I'll tell you, uh, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ is going to last. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this passage. Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, which are temporal, but the things which are unseen, which are eternal. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a job. There's nothing wrong with working and earning and being blessed of God. Some of the most wealthiest people have been uh, generous in their resources. There's nothing wrong with that. But our trust and our faith ought not to be in the greed and covetousness that characterizes this world. And yet it's so easy for us to get caught up into that trap and leave God out of our life and be so busy about building our little castles here below. And, and Solomon said it's all vanity. Lands, houses, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's important. But when it comes to time to die, you know, your children, your grandchildren, your family's going to fuss over it. They're going to fight over it most of the time. I've been at too many homegoing services, hundreds of people, and see them fuss and fight over the stuff that's left behind. We need to get a perspective of what, uh, what God is saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I pray the Lord will give us a, a vision of heaven today and his purpose and plan for you today and that we'll reorganize, pre reprioritize our priorities in life. Verse 1 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, are you there? Say amen if you're there. For we know, for we know that if our earthly house, earthly means terrestrial, our earthly house, he's referring to the body. Again, I quoted verse 18. We look not at the things of chapter 4. Look not at the things which are seen, which are temporal, but the things which are unseen, which are eternal. Now he's fixing to talk about what happens to this body after we die. I get that question asked all the time. It seems like I'm standing at the graveside or at a funeral home, and people say, what, what kind of body are we going to have after we die? Where are we going to go? Is it going to be immediately? Is there an intermediate state? There's a lot of questions a lot of people have, even good Christians have these questions, and I trust the Lord will give you some insight today. Again, verse 1, for we know, said Paul, by the Holy Spirit, that if our earthly house, our body, of this tabernacle, that word tabernacle means like a tent, a tent, you put it up and you take it down. He says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, the word dissolved is kataluo, and uh, it means to take it down. It, it pictures a horse that has a saddle, and you take a saddle off a horse. Paul's saying the body's going to be taken down. Let me read it again. You can't read over this real quick and digest it. That's why I want to take a little bit of extra time for you and me to connect the dots. Notice, again, verse 1, For we know that if, I'm going to read through verse 8, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that means taken down. We have a building of God. He's talking about a new body. And a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. That word means to sigh, means grieve. We groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon our house which is from heaven. In other words, clothed, that's a figurative a figure of speech of putting on clothes as in taking on a new body. That's the implications and the idea. Notice verse 3. 
For if so be, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And that means without this body, the inner garments. And so you get the picture. Paul's referring to after a person dies, what takes place then? We'll see that pretty clearly in a moment. Look at verse number 4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. We're in this earthly body, this tent, if you will. Being burdened, notice that, being burdened, that word means weighed down. We, we have the aches and the pains of life and all the stuff that we see, suffering and sin and so forth. We're burdened down. No, no, anybody know what I'm talking about? We're burdened down. Not, look at verse 4, the last part. For that we would be unclothed. We're burdened because uh, we know that we'll have a new body one day. That's what he's saying. But clothed, last part of verse 4, but clothed upon that mortality. And that means subject to death. This body's subject to death. It's going to die. It's going to stop. Even the very, you know, greatest athletes, they'll still uh, have to, to face death. I read last night in the paper, Leon uh, Spinks, I think it is, the man that beat Muhammad Ali died, 67 years old. Even the greatest athletes die. And keep on reading now. Here in verse 5, that, that mortality, verse 4, the last part, might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the same self thing is God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Please underline that word earnest. It means a guaranteed down payment of uh, a further payment that's coming in the future. It's called the Holy Spirit, okay? God gives us a down payment, the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, that the new body is coming. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Look at verse number 6. Therefore, we are also confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Here on earth, we're not in heaven. Heaven is for real. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 8, underline it please. We are confident, I say, that willing rather to be absent, and that word absent means away, rather to be absent away from the body and to be present, the word present is at home, rather be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. <laughs> oh, Father, I thank you. That, Lord, you love us and you want us to be prepared for whenever day that's on your calendar that we shall pass from this life in the life to come. And I thank you, Lord, for those that have come today, those that are listening today. I pray, Father, you'd get, keep us from all distractions and everything that's pulling on us to try to keep our minds off of this most important decision, this most important time in our life right now. So, God, I pray now that you'll open our hearts and our eyes, our ears, our total being and change us, prepare us. And again, Lord, we pray now you'll get us out of our comfort zone. It's so easy to sit and be self-preservation and preserving ourselves in our homes and not wanting to talk and just, oh, God, I see uh, so many things happening right now. Yet you've called us to this greatest calling as Christians, as believers, 
to go and tell, to shine the light. So, Father, stir us today, and we pray now that souls will be saved, that hearts, again, will be open to the truth of your word, Jesus, and there'll be many to come to know you right this day for your glory in a personal way. Hallelujah. We love you. Give your glory now. And then I pray you prepare us, prepare me and everyone here for when the time you call us home and we'll be ready, watching and waiting. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Number one, where do you go when you die? Let's go back to two questions I want to propose to you. Number one, where do you go when you die? Number two, what kind of body will we have after death? Number one, where do you go after you die? Do we go immediately to heaven? What kind of body are you going to have? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever stood by a bedside or a hospital bed by someone and watched them expire? Where are they at? What takes place? How do you explain it? What are you going to do when your time comes? Are you going to be ready? Well, Paul gives us a little insight here when he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this body, were dissolved, kataluo, that word dissolve, again, it's going to fall in. I want you to notice two things. Number one, this old body is going to fall down. This old house is going to wear out. And then number two, but the good news is this old body is going to have and already has a down payment. So, this tabernacle will dissolve. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. He's talking about a new body. This body's wearing out. How many of y'all know that? One man put it this way. He said, when I go to the breakfast table, I hear stamp, crackle, and pop, and it's not my cereal, all right? It's my legs, it's my, y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, the body's wearing out. You know that. The outer man's perishing, the inner man's being renewed day by day. Things are wearing out. I got home the other night and uh, it was cold in the house. I was recording down here, it was late midnight or beyond. I got home and the thermostat was down below 40. I said, what in the world's going on? And I pulled the thermostat off. The batteries were low on the thermostat. Put new batteries in, put it on, and the thermostat started working. However, the heater didn't work. And I said, well, the temperature's dropping down. Uh, you know, it's been cold lately. And so anyway, I said, well, I'm going to check it in the morning. So I climbed up in the attic, and the heater's up in the attic. I pulled the cover off, and this is what I discovered. I took this picture. I don't know if you're a new electrician, Brother Ralph and Brother William, I know, and Brother Eddie, you know, and Brother Chris and Brother Ronnie, y'all know what I'm talking about, Brother Bud and old Brother Billy. You know what I'm talking about. Here is the hot wire. There's two wires that go in, and this is not an electrical course. Don't worry about it. I'm just telling you things are wearing out. And here's what happened. The hot wire, one of the 110-volt wires, had frayed evidently between uh, this wire, which goes back to the heaters, and this wire right here, there are two wires that should be connected. Can you see them? Uh, at any rate, between the vibration of the fan motor and evidently a loose connection, it arced and so forth, oxidized what we call it, and burn up. Well, rather than calling a repairman, thank God I'm all for saving a dollar. Somebody say amen. 
So I climbed up and cut it here and cut it there, put it back together. Thank God it works like a champ. Hey, if your heater goes out, don't call me. Call somebody else, all right? That's the bottom line. But things are wearing out. Our body's like that. I mean, how many of you have said, man, if I could just lose some weight, praise God, I'd feel a lot better. I heard about one man that stood on a scale, a bathroom scale. His wife was watching. <gasps> he sucked in his stomach. She said, that's not going to help. He said, it is. I can see the numbers now at least when I suck in my stomach. Anyway, we are of all our bodies wearing out. I don't have to tell you that our bodies are wearing out. What do I mean? I, didn't, I don't want to tell you this, but anybody know that the plumbing's leaking, all right? And the paint is chipping off. I said the paint is chipping off the side. And if we're not careful, the walls are start to, uh, they'll start bowing a little bit and leaning a little bit. I'm talking about the physical body. I'm talking about the electricity will get frayed. I mean, the, the nerve system is, is a part of this process. But I want to tell you something, praise the Lord. My hope is not in this old body, but notice what Paul said. For in this we groan. We, we're, we're burdened. We're groaning. We're uh, we're grieving. We're grieving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've read the Bible any whatsoever, you know what God tells us what's going to happen after this life is over. We groan earnestly desiring to be clothed, get this new body upon with our house, which is from heaven, a new body, a glorified body. It's not going to be limited to pain. It's not going to be limited to, uh, to restricted to any kind of heartache. And I don't know about you, but you, some of you are sitting here and say, I don't want a new body. Well, I got news for you. In this hopeless world, this is hope. And I know this is going to get some of you under conviction because the truth been known. We're clothed upon our house, which is heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Hey, I've got news for you. My resident, one of these days, I'm not going to be living on 135 Tanya Court. My address is in heaven. How many know that you're going to heaven when you die? Let me see your hand again. All right? Not everybody could raise their hand. I don't want to, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to throw rocks at you. I love you. If I could scare you into heaven, I'd do it in a heartbeat. My purpose is not to try to scare you into heaven. My purpose is to appeal to you, to uh, reach out to you, to beg you, please, please, please. Take no thought of tomorrow. And uh, the rich young fool said, build bigger barns, and all he was thinking about the life here, but not the life hereafter. Jesus said, you fool, this night your soul should be required of you. Uh, I tell you, life is but a vapor, James said in chapter 4. It appears for a little while and vanishes away. That's why I love Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may apply hearts unto wisdom. I want to ask you again. I'm repeating what I said earlier. Why are you here? Do you know why you're here? It's not for your retirement, unlike what you're probably thinking. It's not just for you to collect Social Security. It's not just that you can find more land or more houses, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things that I just mentioned. And furthermore, it's not just so we can have pleasure and fun, but rather God created us that we would have a relationship with Him and that we would fulfill His purpose. How many of y'all believe that? Amen. To glorify Him. That's why we're here on earth. 
Why are we here? Who are we? Where are we going? What is our purpose? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Do you need to make a little adjustments? Do you need to tweak what you're doing right now? And you say, you know what, Brother Pastor, because even the best of Christians can, can, get, can get really, really, really uh, top-heavy when it comes to, you know, you see all the stuff that's going on, and man, you can get caught right in it in a heartbeat, the love of money is the root of all evil, and then next thing you know, everything revolves around money. I'm not saying money's evil, but I'm saying the love of money is the root of all evil. I told you about one man that said, I'm going to take all my money with me, and he told his wife, he said, honey, when I die, I want you to promise me that I'll take my money with me, put it all with me. She said, all right. When he died, Casket was open. She went up to the casket, wrote a check, and put it in there. <laughs> he took it with him. By the way, did you hear about the IRS? The man that uh, told the IRS, he said, uh, he, said uh, he told his wife, he said, Honey, I want you to, uh, when I die, I want you to cremate my body, and I want you to put my ashes in an envelope, and I want you to send it to the IRS and say, Now you got everything. <laughs> well, anyway, so much for that. Look. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. That word burdened means we're, we're heavy-hearted, means we're under a burden. Why? Not that we would be unclothed. I, I don't want to be unprepared when I die and go out to eternity. No, no, but clothed. I want to anticipate. I want to live with expectations of a new body and, more importantly, with my Lord. Do you ever think about this subject? Some of you probably don't think about this. In fact, right now, it's making you uncomfortable, isn't it, to think about this subject, about it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And I appreciate you coming today. Good to have you. Evan, right? Good to see you, buddy. All right. And I'm talking today about heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. It is. And number one, I'm first focusing on what happens to after you die. What happens to you after you die? That's the question I've been proposed this week. He says, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality. And that uh, means uh, mortality, that we're going to pass away. There's no doubt about it. The word means to uh, be prepared to the body's quick functioning. Mortality might be swallowed up of life. And so, as I just shared with you, uh, number one, what is going to happen after you die? Do we just dissolve? I have some people tell me, I just close my eyes and that's it. Really? Is that what happens? And by the way, let me just stop there and say this. I talked with several people this week, and you know what they said to me? They said, Pastor, and I'm just telling you, they say, uh, I, I, I've been in church or I've been around churches, and they said, most of the churches I have, the preacher sugarcoats the message and because he's afraid of this and afraid of that. And, and, and he doesn't really want to preach the whole counsel of God. And I know there's a great temptation there. But I want to tell you something, beloved. Uh, I'm grateful to God. You may not like everything that we have to say, but I want to tell you something. I will stand before the Lord one day and have to give an account, and you will as well. And so we're not going to sugarcoat it. How many know that? Raise your hand. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to tell it like it is. You may not like it. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm telling you. But a lot of people out there watching churches just, you know, 
sugarcoating everything, just wanting money and wanting to build. But I've got, I want to go on record as saying, uh, God's called me to ministry, and I'm, I need your prayers. I'm not saying this for any other reason. But I'm saying New Rocky Creek Baptist Church believes the Word of God, whether we like it or not. And as Sunday school teachers, as preachers, we've got to stay true to the Lord, not mean-spirited, not, not trying to be Bible thumpers, not being self-righteous, not being holier than thou. No, no, not being a Pharisee, but simply saying this is what the Bible says and, and I'm preaching my, my life needs to line up under that as well. So I want to clarify that right now because I can tell you uh, we're living in a day where Paul said the ear tickling will go on and, uh, and that's the indictment, evidently, uh, in some of the places around our world. Now, where was I going? I was going with this. Heaven is for real. Where, where are you going to go when you die? Either you're right or the Bible's right, and I say God knows more than we know. The God of the Bible is a God of foreknowledge. He's a God of omniscience. He knows all. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's supreme. He's transcendent. That is, he's above all creation. He's immutable. He does not change. Science is changing. Man is changing. Fads are changing. The Word of God does not change. The archaeological, prophetical, and manuscript evidences the reliability of credible witnesses who died for their faith gives this book right here more authority than man's opinion and more authority because Jesus said he would die, but he'd rise again from the grave. I'll tell you what, there's no book like the Bible in the matter of prophetic accuracy, predicting events hundreds of years before it happened. Therefore, I stake my life upon what God says, not what man says. Not what man says. And I've got all kinds of books in my library written by all kinds of people. Buddha didn't rise from the grave. Confucius didn't rise from the grave. Muhammad didn't rise from, rise from the grave. Jesus Christ alone conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave, and he's alive forevermore. The disciples saw him. They wrote it down. Over 500 witnesses saw him, and therefore, I'll tell you what, I don't know anybody else that's 100% accurate like Jesus is, who can cast out demons, who has power over death, who has power over disease, who can calm the storm. Show me somebody else that can do that consistently. Let me just go on record and say this. There's a lot of people, I'm not throwing rocks, but I'm just telling you in parenthetically what I'm saying. A lot of people predicted, hear me, President Trump, you're going to be reelected. How many know there was a lot of false prophecies predicted in our world. It didn't happen. If a man's not 100% or a woman's not 100% correct, mark them down as wrong. That's why I'm saying, now I know some people have problems with the Bible about this and that, and, and uh, I understand, you know, there's uh, questions. I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but I know this. God's a good God. God loved the world. Jesus Christ, he sent his son to die for my sins, your sins. We're sinners by nature, choice, and birth. We're all sin and come short of the glory of God. None righteous, no, not one. And you see, people say, but if a good God, why would a good God allow evil? And why would a good God allow killing? And why would a good God allow this virus and stuff going on? I'll tell you, man's 
You can't blame everything on God, bless the Lord. Man's a sinner by nature, choice, and birth, and we choose to sin against God, and therefore we're separated from a holy God. God gives man a free choice to choose. Don't blame the world on God. You say, but God could step in at any time. He is too. I said he's going to, and his timing. It's on the uh, providential will of the Father to allow this world to come in existence and give man a choice in the garden and then ultimately have already predetermined that Jesus Christ would be the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And that's God's plan and that's God's hope for you and for me. That's our hope, should I say. And so now, look, number two, where are you gonna, what's going to happen when you die? I'm telling you, this is the life's most important question. It's the point that a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Oh, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? You say, but I, I, I think that I'm going to happen this. And I've heard people tell me they put, it's like peppermint. Some stand around a, somebody who's died and put a peppermint in their mouth, and when it dissolves, that's it. That's like death. What if you're wrong? I said, what if you're wrong? And I declare unto you, either God is right or we are right. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And I'm glad that He loved me and forgave my sin. Amen. I'm glad that He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. I'm glad, praise God, I don't deserve the grace of God. I don't deserve the forgiveness of God. I don't deserve anything, but God has in His mercy decided to rescue me, and I'm forever indebted to my living Lord that He loved me that much and that He's changed my life. It's now not what I've done, but rather it's what He's done. It's now not where I was going, but where I am going. It's now... Oh, listen, beloved, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Have you gotten over it? Are you casual about it? <laughs> oh, I told you, vaccine, COVID-19, people are getting the shots left and right to keep them alive from dying physically. You've got, I've got the best message, the remedy, the vaccine, to, that you won't have to die eternally. Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23, it's, the wages of sin is death. That's a penalty for death. The wages of sin, the sin has a penalty. We've all missed the mark. You've told a lie, I've told a lie, we've cheated, we've done things that were missing the mark. The word sin is harmartia, it means to miss the mark. We've all missed the mark. How many know you've missed the mark? And therefore, we all stand in need of forgiveness of sin. And somebody says, but I believe in technology. Well, let me tell you something. If God uh, knew the greatest need in, in our world would have been for technology, he would have sent us a technologist. If God, being a sovereign God, an omnipotent God, seen the greatest need in our world would have been for science, he'd have sent us a scientist. If, if the Lord would have seen the greatest need in our world was for education, he would have sent us an educator. But God saw man's greatest need is forgiveness of sin. That's why he sent us a Savior. Hallelujah. A Savior to forgive our sin. And whosoever will, let him take you the water right freely. You can be saved today. I said, if you'll repent and turn from your sin, acknowledge your sin, and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. He'll save you right now. Christian friend, when's the last time you threw out the lifeline? 
I said, the world's lost and undone. They don't have the answers. We ought to be saying, here, brother, here, sister. You say, but pastor, don't you know it's COVID-19? I don't care what it is. We're here on earth to fulfill God's purpose, period. Are you doing it? Have you gotten wrapped up in this world, making money and, and uh, you know, building this and building that or fulfilling God's purpose? God, help us to take a step back and see the big picture. The big picture. By the way, speaking of get-rich-quick schemes, the lotto and all that stuff, we've got a lady that tells me every time I see her, I won't tell you who it is, she'll say, Brother Randy, if I win the lottery and I decide to give the church some money, would you take it? I look at her and say, in jest. The devil's had it long enough, amen? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Bible forbids Lady Luck and thinking that we're going, and you know what, beloved? I didn't plan to say this, and I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you, this is where our world's at. No wonder we're mixed up and messed up. Right now, the Super Bowl will be played tonight, and there's no telling how many of money. It's, it's one of the second... I, or not second, but it's a major gambling resource. I had a friend of mine who I loved dearly, and he came to know Jesus at the age of, in his 80s. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He came to church here. And anyway, he told me this. After he really got his heart right with the Lord, I had the privilege of preaching his funeral a little over a year ago. I love this man. He told me, he said, man, we gamble every Sunday. And uh, uh, by the way, can I just stop? And I didn't plan to say this, but... Have you ever thought, why in the world do they play the Super Bowl on Sunday? It's getting quiet in here. Why are all these sporting events happening on Sunday? It's getting quiet in here. You know why? It's a distraction from serving the Lord. I'm convinced of that. Now, I'm not saying the Super Bowl is sin, but I'm saying it can be a major distraction, and the enemy knows how to lure us away from the will of God. Now, if that hits hard, I love you. I've been there, beloved. Let me just put it this way. As a teenager, all that mattered to me was watching the Georgia films at 11 o'clock when I was growing up. Vince Dooley show. I didn't care about going to church. And then you know who'd come on at 1 o'clock? The Atlanta Falcons. I didn't care about going to church. That was my life. So I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm telling you that's how I used to be. And there I go right now, yet by the grace of God. There's more things important, though. And, and building your spiritual life is important. How many believe that? That's important, man. That's important. So, uh, th the Lord says, He that hath brought us the same self thing as God, who hath also given us the earnest of the Spirit. The earnest, that word means a down payment. Can I ask you a question? How many of y'all have ever had a car, you couldn't pay for it, you had to put a down payment on it? And you had to put your, you know, you had somebody to co-sign. I remember the first car I ever had. I was 18 years old, bought a GTO, gas, tires, and oil, all right? And 400 engine, all that. I couldn't afford it. I was working at a restaurant, washing dishes, pumping gas, and um, busting tables. And I'd go in at 6 o'clock in the morning and work uh, Saturday and Sunday, I'm ashamed to say. But I, I, I did it. I was lost at the time. Anyway, I worked, went to school, and so forth and so on. Anyway, I was able to get a car. I had to walk wherever I had to go at that time, 18 years old. Never had a car. Bless the Lord. God's been good. But anyway, here's the point. Went to the bank, saw this car. Man, I got to have that thing, $750. 
$750 is all it was. Magnesium rims, 400 ratchet shifter, her shifter, high-rise manifold. Man, it's a miracle I didn't wrap that thing around a tree. God has been so good to preserve me. I'm not saying that jokingly. I'm saying that seriously. The Lord, I look back on my life and I wonder, I could have been snuffed out like, how many right now know that there's been things happening in your life, accidents, where you could have died just like that? I saw just in the paper where uh, the, uh, uh, somebody uh, was in a wreck last week up in Covington, Newton County, and, and died, ran off the road. And, and my point is this. I went to the bank, and, and I said, I, I don't have $750, but I'm going to put a down payment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A down payment, brother! How much? Maybe a couple hundred dollars, that's all I had at the time. And all that was was an earnest money. And by the way, I had to have my dad co-sign. Somebody say, man. Don't look at me like you hadn't had somebody go sign with you. Come on. <laughs> anyway, and I had to put down that earnest money. All this is, this word earnest, means it's a guarantee. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, born again, the Holy Ghost of God comes and lives in you. It's a guarantee that one day you'll get that title deed, which will be a brand new body. Amen. Oh, yes. That's the Holy Ghost in you, working in you. You see, man's born dead spiritually. Paul alluded to that in Ephesians 2. You're dead in trespass and sin. But God who quickened us together with Christ, it means make alive. The Holy Spirit comes and makes alive. That's why a lot of people don't want to read their Bible. That's why people don't want to obey God. The Bible says the, uh, uh, the things of God are foolishness to a person who's not in a right relationship with God. Hello. When you got a love for somebody, you're going to be want to be with them. Uh, did that hurt or what? You got a love relationship, you're going to want to spend time with them. Are you spending time in prayer daily with the Lord? Are you spending time in His Word daily? That's a love relationship. Not always, come on, God, get meet my needs when I'm in trouble, come on and do it. And then once you do it, get out of my life, I'm going to do my own thing. We don't say that, but that's what we live. We treat God, I, I'm sorry, I got to say this, y'all forgive me. We treat God terribly. We treat God bad. Don't we? I'm saying we, me too. Yeah, amen. We treat God terribly. If I was God, I wouldn't be as nice to me as he is to me. If I was God, I wouldn't be as nice to you as, as I am to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. God's been good to us. Hey, we need to get real. Amen? Really? We treat God terribly. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, but I don't. I've been in church this long. Don't be a Pharisee, okay? Deep down inside, you know we could do a lot more for the Lord. Talk to me, somebody. Deep down inside, even the very best of Christians miss the mark and really know that we could do more for the Lord and love the Lord more. I'm not being critical. I'm just making a statement, okay? We got the earnest of the Spirit. I talked with a man last week. He told me this, and he's not lying about it. And I got a man right here in the church that can verify what he told me was absolutely true. This man told me, I was talking with him about his relationship with God, the Lord Jesus. He said, and he wasn't bragging, he said, I have got $6 million worth of assets. Six million. Six million. Not 6,000, six million. He wasn't bragging. He said, I made wise investments when I was 19 years old. I invested in a lot of property, a lot of this. And so, and you know what I, I asked him? He told me about all the houses he had and all the land he had. He wasn't bragging, I don't think. I think he was just being honest. 
I said to this, how much land you got up there? How much you got up there? How much have you got up there? <laughs> you got anything up there? Look, hey, where are you going to go when you die? I tell you, I believe, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, as I shared with you, been with hundreds of people when they've died. It's a blessing. I'll never be the same when somebody dies and I'm with them. And it's just a life-changing experience when you see them take their last breath. And by the way, I've seen, and you probably too, witnessed, and I've witnessed numerous Christians, Christians, who were ready to meet the Lord, although their body was racked with pain. They were going through hardships. I've seen them, and God be my witness, I have seen them go out in eternity and never renounce their relationship with Jesus, but rather reach up to heaven and say, Lord, I'm coming home. I'm ready to see you shortly. Are you ready to go home? I'm telling you, heaven's for real. Heaven's for real. It's a real place. And what kind of body are we going to have after death? Here's what happens. The spirit, right when the person dies. Now, I've never seen a spirit leave the body, but I've sensed the presence of God in rooms. Four o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. I've sensed when people pass away. The Lord says the angel escorted Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. Let me just stop right there and say, why would a person take a chance, a big chance in being wrong when you can have the Word of God and be right? It don't make sense to me. I, I, what, what's the credibility there? What, what's the, check it out, line it up, do the math. You know, you, know, you say, but, but Pastor, I have this problem with the Bible, this problem with the Bible, this problem. People don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. People reject the Bible because it contradicts them. They don't want to come under the authority of the Word of God. That's the bottom line, it's authority. And, and we don't want anybody ruling over us. We want to be our own God. I know I used to be that way. I didn't, I want to call the shots. I want to call the shots. And if I have to get right with God and come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, some reason the devil lies to us and we think, well, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, he's gonna be a, a bad God. No, we've got a good, good father. I said, we've got a good, good father. Is your father good? Nah, nah. I don't know if I'd want your father if you're not excited about your God. I wouldn't want your God if you're not excited about your God. If you're not ready to tell about your God, what kind of God do you have? If he's changed your life and he's been good to you, don't you want to tell somebody else? Why do you want to keep it yourself? Are you ashamed? Are you embarrassed? What's the deal? Tell me the truth. What's the deal? Well, I got to keep going. Before the rapture, after the rapture, before the rapture, here's what I think. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it because I don't know. When the Bible's silent, we better be silent. Oh, yeah. The body ceases to function, but I know this. The Spirit of God lives in every born-again believer based on what I've just shared with you, Ephesians 2. The Holy Spirit quickens life. It's God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what happens. Y'all listen now. You don't think you're going to die soon, but you don't know. I said, you don't know. You don't know, do you? Is there anybody in here that knows when your time's going to go? Is there? Somebody tell me. Do you know? No, you don't know. I don't know. But I know this. It's going to happen. So what are you going to do? You going to be ready? 
The spirit leaves the body after death. The body goes back to the dust. I get that from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. The word sleep is komeo. It means cemetery. Watch. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I don't care if a person's cremated or not. Their body is going to be resurrected at the rapture, period. A new body. Can I tell you all to put it this way? These bones are going to live again. I'm about to start shouting. Y'all didn't hear me. I said, these bones are going to live again. <laughs> How do I know that? Because the Lord, watch this, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel. Paul was writing to the church wondering what about the loved ones. The body's going back to the dust. Pless Hayes just died just a couple of weeks ago. I was with him a couple of hours before he passed away. I said, Brother Pless, you're almost home now. Keep running the race. Keep, keep running the race. Oh, yes, we talked a lot about heaven. This is an encouraging message to me. I don't know about you. Oh, yes. And, and the body dies. It starts to decompose. Are you with me? It, it's embalmed sometimes, and, and then it goes to the ground, waiting for the Lord to come. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ. The dead in Christ. That's the bodies, the dead in Christ. Watch this. I personally believe the spirit leaves the body at death, goes immediately to be in the presence. I'm basing this on the scripture now, not Pastor Randy's opinion, but the spirit absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's what he says, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Absent means not at home, away. Present with the Lord means at home, our new home, our heavenly home. The spirit leaves the body, the body goes back to the dust. Now, what kind of body we'll have with the spirit, I don't really know. But I know this, once when Christ comes again after the rapture, we'll have a body like Jesus. I get that from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Oh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. It does not appear what we should be, but we know when he shall appear, we'll be like him. We'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. Will we know each other in heaven? I say, I believe we will, based on Peter, James, and John upon the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, they recognized Elijah and Moses. How did they know it was Elijah and Moses? Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we'll know even as we're known. How many of y'all looking forward to seeing a loved one on the other side? I am. I am. I really am. Being with Jesus. You say, but pastor, I don't believe you. Well, what do you think? And what kind of evidence do you have? And how many people have you been with that have died? And where are you going to stand? And supposing you're wrong. You say, but supposing you're wrong. Well, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. You can argue with me all day long about everything in my life, but you can't argue with me what Jesus Christ has done in my heart and changed my life. You can argue with me ever, all day long about theology and what happened in the Bible. All I can say is once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lost and now I'm found, and I don't deserve it. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Heaven is for real. Why am I here? Who am I? Where am I going? Heaven is for real.
this, at the age of 21 years old, I realized I was going the wrong way. I thought I had all the answers. I was angry. I was mad. My parents were divorced. I had a chip on my shoulder. And uh, I was really angry at God. I didn't tell you that. Nobody could tell that. But I was just mad, period. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. I needed healing. I was the loser. It's like drinking rat poison, waiting for the rat to die. I needed a breakthrough. And I'll never forget in 1982 how Jesus Christ came in my heart and my life and changed my life. And, and, and I've not been the same. I've not been the same since then. And the Lord began to bring healing in my life. I was reconciled to my dad. And I told him I love him. And boy, that was just a wall come crashing down. The Lord has been so good. If the Lord took me home this afternoon, I'd have nothing to complain about. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many would say right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts. Change us, we pray. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nancy's playing.